Matthew chapter 1. I don't know. I don't know that we've done it often enough. I don't know that we've done it often enough um, to make it a tradition. But last week, the Sunday after Thanksgiving, we just took the day to just look, at least from my, in my brain, was at the wonder of what God had done. From the beginning of time until even this day, God was working. He worked to bring Jesus to the world. Now He is working in this world to prepare Jesus to return, to take us home. Uh, catch your breath. If you were here, go back to that. Go back to that thought of how He worked and the people He worked through and the things He did to make it possible for us to be at home with Jesus. Your thoughts, your reaction, something you thought this week, something you felt last week, doesn't matter. Just breathe out a bit. I'm going to check my phone like that every once in a while because when my dad calls, I'll maybe answer, but that wasn't my dad, so I'm not answered. Um, you see things all the way through. God did it, right? And we talked about it last week that there are times in your life when you think, that's it, I'm done, I'm over. There's people sitting in this room that have had that moment and have made plans, if not attempts, to make that the last day, the last moment of their life. But you go through, turn the page, go one more day, and watch what God does. Your reaction just to what you heard last week, and those of you that didn't hear it, I'm, it's okay, you're all right, nobody's upset. Just what, Those of you who heard it and you saw what God worked and who He worked through, If he was that way then, wouldn't it make sense that he's that way now? Right? What'd you hear? What'd you think? Now, are you looking in Matthew 1? I want you to look in Matthew 1. Look at that list of names. And I'll be honest with you. When I was a kid, I didn't like reading these. I mean, I'd start reading my Bible at the beginning of the year because every good church boy did that. I'm going to read through the whole Bible this year. And I'd read, start reading the first few chapters of Genesis were excellent, good story. That's good reading. And then you'd get to all those names, you remember, that only their mothers could pronounce. 
And then you'd fight through that first batch of names, and then you'd read about Noah and the ark, and man, you'd hit that next batch. It'd be be a great story, but then you'd hit that next batch of names. And by the second or third time you hit that list of names, what'd you do? Or what, you know what I did? I think, oh, I'm going to, I can't do this. I'm going to read the New Testament first. And I'd turn to Matthew 1. What's in Matthew 1? All those same names. So I just quit reading my Bible. I cannot tell you how many times I tried to read the whole Bible and I couldn't because of these silly names. Now, look in Matthew 1 and take what Jimmy just said. What Jimmy just said. Look at the list of names and tell me somebody that you see. Somebody that you see and that amazed you, God working through that particular person. If you look, Rahab, who is the mama of Boaz, who is the husband of Ruth, who's the great-great-granddaddy of David, Rahab was a harlot. She was a a religious prostitute. Who do you see? Horrible story. It's the kind of story you don't want to talk about around your children because of the questions it might come up or the confusion it might cause. But a horrible story, a real story in human life dealing with real people in a real world and God chose that horrible man and that desperate, misguided young lady. God used them to bring a boy named Perez to the world who was the great-great-granddaddy of a boy named Boaz who married a woman named Ruth who had a great-great-grandson named David who was the great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather of the baby born in Bethlehem. Last call. Tell me something you learned, something you heard, something you felt, thought, remembered. When we walked from Genesis all the way to the maps and, and saw what God was doing and who was God was doing it through. Anything you thought. seems to be a recurring theme. It's amazing to all of us the kind of people God used. Now when you were a kid going to Bible class, what did you think about Noah and Abraham and Jacob? They were special people. They were heroes of the Bible, right? In fact, there are books written, Heroes of the Bible. Real life, real world, What do we know about those men? What do we know about these women? They were no different than us. They had some of the same weaknesses and had some issues in their lives that you and I, because we were raised in Christian families, never had to face while others of us did. God works through all of these. So if He could do it then, can He do it now? And that's the point of what we're about to study next. I want you to stay in Matthew 1. I want you to stay in Matthew 1. We went through those generations. I want you to look in verse 18. I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it. And then I just want your response. I just want you to tell me what you think. 
Tell me, first thing that comes to your mind. Now, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. Stop. That statement, this time of the year, first thing that comes to your mind. Where is this going to be mentioned most? What's it going to make you think of? Baby Jesus. We start thinking about baby Jesus. We start thinking about Christmas, nativity scenes, etc. Okay? Now, time out a second. I'm going to breathe out a minute, okay? If you need to breathe out after I say this, you're welcome to, all right? Or if there's you got some conflict with me after what I'm about to say, feel free. You know, this is, we're, we try to be honest and real here. I grew up in a religious culture that did not want people to think that we believed, and I'm saying it correctly, that we believed that Jesus was born at Christmas. I also believed that I grew up in a religious culture that taught that you were never supposed to recognize any particular day as a religious holiday like Christmas. So much so that if say in our Bible class material, in our little classes, if the birth of Jesus was in the curriculum, now I'm talking about, if you, those of you who have gone to church know what I'm talking about, that curriculum, those quarterlies that said you cover this material on this day. If the birth of Jesus was going to be mentioned during the month of December, they would have a teacher's meeting and they would rework the curriculum so that they would not do that. I can remember also one of our song leaders led Joy to the World during December one time and he didn't get to lead singing for a long time after that. And while for some of us you kind of giggle at that house, I'm telling you there are people that were serious, serious about this kind of thing. Now, do I believe that Jesus was born on December 25th? No. In fact, if you want to do your, you do your research, it's probably sometime in April or May. Probably May the 2nd would be a great day for... What do you think, Bart? I think that's right. Legatha amen. I heard her. Yeah. Um, here's what I learned as I got older. There's a lot of things that I may not believe that have been taught as traditionally true but if somebody wants to talk about Jesus I'm all for it and I don't care if it takes place on December 25th or July 4th or uh, St. Patrick's Day I don't care let's talk about Jesus right so for the next three four weeks if God gives us those I want us to make use of the thinking and the discussions and the traditions that are all over the world and let's talk Jesus. Perfect time to bring your friends. Man, we're talking about Jesus. We're talking about the birth of Jesus. We're talking about that uh, king that came on Christmas Day. Invite them. Bring them. Because we're going to talk about Jesus. But we're going to do like we always do. We're going to try and do it real. We're going to try and do it real. 
So when I began to finally not worry about what somebody else thought, and I started just looking at the Bible, what did I find out? Tell me what you learned. What did you learn about the Christmas stories, the nativity scenes? What did you learn about the, uh, the reality of this compared to the traditions? In your years of growing up and studying and thinking, did anybody learn anything different than what we've been taught? Months, months away, maybe even years away from getting there. Now the one big deal, and I can remember it being preached, the Bible doesn't say there were three wise men. I remember we thought that was a big deal. And then it dawned on me after I got old, guys, there had to be just three wise men. Would you have wanted to be the wise man that showed up without a gift for the king of kings? You traveled all this way, oh, I left my gift at home. No, I don't know how many wise men. It doesn't matter to me, but there were three gifts. I'm okay with their, you saying there's three wise men. But they weren't there at the birth of Jesus. They came months, maybe even years later. Tell me what else we've learned that's real. Well, that uh, <clears throat> they went to, the, to an inn or to a, a place and they were rejected or told that they couldn't stay there and they had to stay somewhere else. Or... Yeah, whole Christmas plays have been built up over an innkeeper telling, I got a great story about that, you'll probably hear it, but it tell, this innkeeper turns Jesus and, or turns Joseph and Mary away and they have to go to the stable, right? The Bible does say there was no room for them in the inn. Now did the innkeeper tell them that? Okay, it may be a logical, or it may just see they looked and there wasn't any place. They saw people camping out. Maybe somebody they trusted said there's not any room at the end. I don't know. It just says there was no room at the end. All right, uh, give me another one. I got tons of them, guys. I, I never got that particular. I just always wondered, how did it smell? If they're in a stable, how did it smell? And were they in a stable? Bible doesn't say they were in a stable. Bible doesn't say that there was a cave that was turned into a stable, which is one of the things I read a while back. The Bible just says that when the baby was born, they wrapped him up and laid him. Now, even our use of the word manger is kind of tradition-y. They laid him in a trough, a feeding trough of some kind. Was it because it was in a stable? Could have been. Or it could have been one that was outside. I don't know. Maybe Joseph heisted it. I don't know. I'm not saying he did. I don't know where, but I know there's some real that came into this. I, we'll, we'll do this over the next few weeks, so, so I don't want to deal with them all right now. Silent night. Don't know that that was true. And if there was a newborn baby there, I suspect it wasn't silent all the time. 
I do know there was no drummer boy because Mary would have whipped him with the drumsticks, waking that baby up. Midnight clear, maybe. Cattle lowing, that's what they do. I don't know all the traditions, but I know that there was a moment in history that was, until he was raised from the dead, the most profound, life-changing, history-changing, eternity-changing event. God became flesh and dwelt among us. A virgin gave birth, and he took of flesh and blood, just like us. That's the real part of it, okay? So here's what I want us to do. I'm not going to... And if, if you misunderstand what I'm saying and you do this, I find out we're going to have some trouble. I've got no interest in trying to correct people's traditions. I don't have to prove anybody wrong for me to share with them what I believe is right. Somebody wants to put up a nativity scene, good deal. i got no problem with that. I love the fact that somebody's talking about Jesus. Somebody wants to go to a particular service because they're going to sing and and do some kind of Christmas play. I got no problem with that. If we're going to talk about Jesus, I, any way anybody can talk about Jesus, I'm all for, okay? But for us, if we're going to talk about Jesus, let's talk about Him real. In this most incredible moment in human history, Jesus being born is addressed this way. And I want you to look at Matthew 1, and I'm just going to read the next few verses, okay? And then you tell me if anything strikes you Odd strikes you as important. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Stop, 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 stop. This most incredible moment in human history, God becoming flesh, a virgin having a child, the Savior being born in the city of David, this most incredible thing take place. And what does God discuss first? You didn't see it. It just jumped off the page at me. This incredible moment, and what does God talk about first? The man and the woman that he was going to work through to bring this child and to raise this child in this world. Here's why it dawned on me, y'all. It dawned on me. We talked about it a minute ago, how God works through all these people. And what we do is we separate ourselves from them. If God did all of that to bring Jesus to the world, and doesn't God still want to bring Jesus to the world? Wouldn't He work through the same kind of people, right? So let's just start with us. And fellas, we're just going to start with us. Because what does it say about Joseph? What's the very first thing it says about Joseph? Very first thing it says about Joseph. He was a righteous man. Now the moment we write down that word, the moment we note it, the moment you hear me say it, the moment your eyes read it, our reaction is, he's perfect. Righteous man. Oh, that's very good. Brad's a good student. I want your reaction to it. We're going to get to Brad's teaching in a minute. Righteous. Make good choices. We're going to go there. 
Tell me somebody else in the Bible that was said to be righteous. Noah. Abraham. Isaac. David. They were all called righteous men. Now the moment you start looking at that list, alright? The moment you start looking at that list, you've got Noah, you've got Moses, you've got David, and I left out Abraham, but you've got those men and they're righteous, and then he says Joseph is righteous, what category did we put Joseph in immediately? He's way up there. He's one of those Bible heroes, right? Now hang on a second. Hang on a second. Have you ever looked at Joseph like one of those people? Not me. I don't remember any Bible classes taught where we were taught about Joseph like we were taught about Noah, Moses, or David. And yet God said about him, not me, God said about him he was a righteous man. Now here's what that means. Is that means he made some good choices. He made good choices. He did right things. That's what the word righteous means. He did right things. But the truth is that even if he made good choices, even if he made right choices, what do we know about him? He, he was a man of faith. Oh, now, there we go. That's the same thing. What, I need you to hang off just a second on that. What do we know about this man? Even if he made right choices, even if he did things that were right, what do we know about him like we know about Noah, Moses, Abraham, David? He was human and he made mistakes. And I don't know what those mistakes were. Nobody discusses them. And there's no reason for me to start trying to manufacture some. But the truth is he was a man just like us. He did the very same kind of things that you and I do. But God counted him righteous because righteousness comes by faith. And folks, we're not talking about a... How do I say it? A just a New Testament doctrine. Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Because when you trust God, God says, that counts for me as righteousness. It was true of Abraham. It was true of David. It was true of Joseph. And it's true of me. So, men... Especially men who have families. You have sons, daughters, grandsons, granddaughters, great-grandsons, great-granddaughters. And young men who have the potential and may one day become a father. Let's make Christmas in your home special this year. Not by the size of the tree or the number of gifts. Not with just not talking about that the decorations or the traditions you start as a family. But you make the decision. You make the decision to be that kind of man. Because if God was serious about Jesus coming into the world and he picked this kind of man, what does he think he still wants to do? He wants to pick that kind of man. He still wants Jesus to come into the world, right? Every Our neighbors, every radio station, every church religious person in the world is going to be talking about the first Noel. They're going to be talking about God rest you, Jerry, Mary, gentlemen. God, joy to the world. They're going to be talking about those good now what do we do to make that special in our home?
What do we do to make that special in our home? We become this kind of man. Now, ladies, I'll leave it up to you, and we'll talk some more about you when we get to talking about Mary. But this, fellas, I need to hear this. How about you? Guys, we need to make some right choices. Uh, I'll let you tell me so I don't have to do all the talking. Tell me some right choices that men who are fathers or who are raising someone else's children, as was the case here, what kind of right choices do they need to make? Accept your children. Whether they're yours by birth or by bonus, accept them. What's important? Give me a choice. How you treat your wife. Ah, one of the most important things you can do for your children is to treat their mama right. Now look at, and I'm, I'm going to jump ahead just a second. I won't come back to that. Leland had his hand up. I won't come back to Leland. But look further down in the text. You and I have gone to church all our lives. We know what this means. When they were betrothed, that means they were married. They were pledged to be married. means they were married. The, the actual legal meaning of being betrothed is they were husband and wife. That's why he was going to have to divorce her because they were already married. But they hadn't been together. They hadn't gone on the honeymoon. Right? We understand what that means? And so Joseph, when he found out that she was going to have a child, knew what? It's not my child, because he had made some right choices. He was honoring the law. He was honoring the traditions. And so he had made some right choices, and he assumed that Mary had made some wrong choices. But because he was a righteous man, what did he decide to do? He, it showed he had compassion. Now the text doesn't say compassion, and if you've got a problem with compassion, give me another word. He was considerate. He was compassionate. So using what Kelly said a minute ago, you want to bless your children? You want Jesus to come to your house? Do you want Jesus to come back into this world and be in this town and this church and in your family and your job? It starts with you being that kind of man. That's the kind of man God works through to make that happen. So be that righteous man that has consideration, is considerate, compassionate for that baby, those children's mama. That's a big deal. Leland, what are some of the right choices? I was going to say to show your kids an example of honesty and hard work. Can't write anymore. Example, uh, love for mate. What was the first one we listed? Right choices. All right, accept the children. I just want to make a note so I don't forget. Accept the children, love those babies, mama, and then set an example for them on all kinds of things. How you talk to them. We we cover this a lot, and I. I'm not saying you need me to say this to you, but I would not be surprised if we don't need it to be said to us. I know there are folks in the next meeting that they need to hear it said, and it's going to be said again. 
but you start talking to your children and you say hateful, mean, and I'm going to throw in another one and I'll fuss with you if we need to fuss about it. Sarcastic things. Sarcastic things said to your children, they don't process sarcasm. They're not able to handle sarcasm. So they read sarcasm as criticism. They, see, they hear sarcasm as harmful. Now we love to tease each other and it's sometimes it even goes too far with us. But when it's with a child, mm-mm. If it goes, I don't care even when they're teenagers and they can be so um, sarcastic. That doesn't mean they can process sarcasm. You be a good example in the way you talk to them. Be a good example in the way that you get up in the morning and you go to work. And you don't make a decision that day, am I going to go to work today? Or the decision to go to church. I still am amazed. I can remember the first time I ever heard somebody, when I was a kid, I heard somebody say, well, we, uh, my dad got up this morning and said, y'all want to go to church today? And, and uh, somebody in the family said, I don't think so today. So they stayed home. I remember looking around. I thought, did anybody else hear what they said? Because I thought, are you kidding me? Did you get to vote? Did anybody get to? I didn't get to vote. I didn't get to. Nobody asked me. Now, I would have always said, oh, yes, and let's go early so I'll have more time to pray. But uh, my brothers might not have voted. Uh, no, nobody asked. My dad, even though he was not a Christian at that time, got up and got us going. And my mom got us ready because we were going to church because they had already made the decision. It wasn't something you decided in the morning. It had already been decided. So make good choices and then be a man of faith. Our time's not going to let us in that year way ahead of me. We've done it so many times before. Do you remember... Three, I give you three words for faith every time we talk about it. It comes out of Hebrews eleven six. if you want to discuss it. Let's emphasize the importance of parents making that commitment and that choice. That's how I was raised. And when I went out to college, it never dawned on me, never even once, that I had the option of sleeping in on Sunday night. Yeah. I got up and went to church because that's what, that's what you did. So that idea of being making right choices and being a person of faith, we talk about faith as a matter of conviction. Faith is a matter of confidence. That's all out of Hebrews 11. And we've discussed it, we've studied it, but it's also a matter of commitment. It's also a matter of commitment. It's, it's seeing things through. It's not saying, well, this is what I believe, and we've had too much of that. Guys, I love you, but we've had too much of that. We've had too much of us take staking positions on what we thought and not following up in our lives. Because it's real easy. It is real easy to sit in here and talk about, I think we need to be devoted to our wives. We need to be devoted to the church. We need to be devoted and then live like a slug. No. We'd be men of faith and show compassion and considerateness for other people, especially in our family. That's what, you know, he made the right choices as we read, you know, some more about him, regardless of his circumstances. Like, 
like it wasn't dependent upon what God gave him or what Mary did for him or whether how other people treated him. He was resolved or convicted to do what was right based on what God told him to do. Brad's ahead of me. Go ahead, Barn. And it's not just your preference. And it's not just the way it always was. It's what you believe is best and what you believe is right. What Brad just said, what Bart was talking about, look at uh, verse 30, 24. Verse 24. When Joseph woke up, after he has the dream, after God visits with him and says, Don't you divorce her. That child in her is conceived by the Holy Spirit. That baby's going to be born and his name's going to be Jesus. Look at verse 24. When Joseph woke up, I want you to tell me what the next point is. He obeyed. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary as his wife. Obedient. He did what he was supposed to do. Now that means all that things, all that stuff we've discussed, that it's not just <laughs> things you discuss. It's not just things you get preached at at church. It's not just things that you think your neighbors ought to do. Because, man, I've got too much of that. I, I'm, I've, got, I've had enough of that, too. Because it's one thing for us to talk about what somebody else's family ought to be doing and what somebody else's husband ought to be doing and what somebody else's wife ought to be doing and what somebody else's kids ought to be doing. We are not the somebody else's police. We need to be obedient. You want Christmas to come to your home? You want peace on earth and goodwill toward men? Do you want your children to benefit from the most, at that moment, tr dramatic and incredible, significant thing in history? Then be a man. Be a man. Be righteous. Be considerate. Be obedient. Did you hear what Brad said? You be obedient regardless of what it gets you or causes you to lose. <coughs> because we'll have younger folks we sometimes won't speak as plainly. But there's not a man in this room that not doesn't understand what Joseph took on himself here or what God asked of Joseph and he obeyed. To take care of someone else's children and to not be with his wife until after that child was born. Tell me what that meant to that man. Now tell me, I don't need the details. I just want to tell me what it means about the man. What does it mean about the man? that he can make decisions about doing what is right, that the, that man can do what is right, that he can be that man of faith, even if he's not getting the kind of attention 
that he's supposed to get that he thinks he deserves. It's patient. What else? He sees the bigger picture. He sees what's more important than just this moment, just this desire. He sees the bigger picture. What do you know about this man? He puts others first. Oh, yeah. Can you imagine what others would have said to him, what his buddies might have said to him, what, what kind of discussions there might have been out there in the locker room? This man was patient. He was unselfish. He was humble. Honor. Ooh, I like that word. He was an honorable man. I wonder, oh, is it any wonder, why the child he'll help raise learned to pray, not my will, but your will be done. Because he lived that same way. Feared God and kept his commandments. That's it. I just want to ask you, you want Christmas to come to your house? I know I love you, but I know what some of you women, well, so what some of you fellows, I know what some of you families, the kind of pressure you put on yourselves to have Christmas. Let's let Christmas come this year. But let's let it come the right. It's not about the number of presents. It's not about the size of the tree. It's not the decorations. And ladies, your houses are beautiful and they're fun and I'm curious it, it's all of that's fun stuff good stuff but some of you make yourselves sick trying to get ready for something that doesn't matter this matters so fellas help your wives quit being a slug and remember if you want Christmas to come to your house you want Jesus coming to your house righteous considerate, obedient, and selfless, devoted, whatever way you, words you want to say. May God help me be that kind of man. And may God bring that spirit to every man that sits in this place on this day for the next few weeks, next few months, next few years. Let's remember Jesus.
I meant to tell you this before, and it's significant enough that I wouldn't change our direction of our thinking for anything if I didn't think it was important. Uh, sat down with some folks yesterday, or day before yesterday, or sometime in the last year. Uh, I sat down with some of our folks, and we just started making a list of some of our families that during this time of the year could use some help. I, I've been so... I love it. I started getting, some of you started texting and calling and visiting with me and saying, hey, who can we, our family wants to adopt a family, we want to help, that kind of, that's it, well, just, that's excellent. And some have said, well, in fact, I got a call from someone who said, we want to buy toys for all the kids. And, and I understand, that's good. That is such a good spirit. That is good, such a good spirit. After looking at this list, folks, um, we want our children, we want all of our children to receive some kind of gift on that special day. But honest, if we're gonna be real, some of our folks need food. They need a place to stay. They need help with some utilities, maybe some clothes and that kind of stuff. So here's what uh, these folks, some of us have been talking. We think if you've got a different approach, you're welcome to do it. Our little, somebody made us this little gift box long time ago. I think the first time we ever used it, uh, Darla was about to have surgery and needed some help. And so somebody made us the box and we've, I cannot tell you how many people we blessed with this. Um, so here's what I'd like to encourage you to do. If you want to adopt a family, if you want to help some folks out, rather than you having to do all the shopping and do all the finding the sizes and that stuff, and I don't want that job, all right? But if you would like to give something to help another family, if you want to adopt a family, if you'll just make your check out to the church, but put it in here. Or if you've got folded money, dollar bills, you can put them in here. I'll sort it all out, and then we're, uh, we'll look at those families that are in the most need, and know, I think we know what they need, and we'll, we'll distribute those uh, things um, to help them. If you want to do it differently and go directly to somebody, that's your business. But if you want to save yourself a little bit of time and you still want to be able to bless somebody that needs it, just put, I'm, this will be sitting up here. Just put your check, just write to the church uh, and slip it in here or your cash, and I'll make sure it gets distributed to the folks that need it. Okay? Any questions about that? All right. And I'm sure there's a tithe portion of that $100 that you get for kissing that needs to go in this box. I, I, I could not let it go. Sorry, guys. I just. And if y'all are here the next meeting, it needs to be discussed again. Yeah. Krista uh, just said, held up her hand and said she would be here. So she, we want to make sure that. The good news so, is. So, uh, will you moving out? <laughs> All right. <laughs> Fathers only. Fathers only. Not that I don't care what anybody else gets to say, but I just want to hear from fathers right now. Um, what's the gift you most want to give your family? What's the gift you most want to give your family this Christmas? 
several of us have children that are not living like we wish they were living and like they need to live if they're going to please the Lord. But that doesn't mean we can't accept them. That doesn't mean that we can't love them. That doesn't mean that we can't... In I like the word, accept them. Accept them. Maybe that's the first step we take to helping them uh, adore Jesus. Well, lack of better words, security. And I'm not talking about house security. Security of who they are. They're living very best gift best gift you could give your children your grandchildren your great grandchildren for Christmas in If I'm gonna go ahead, Jim. Laughter is good medicine. I read a proverb said that. I'll tie the knot, and then I, we're just going to do the same thing we did a minute ago for our prayer. Uh, and this, there are going to be folks walking in here. Some of them are going to be tired. Some of them are going to be <coughs> worried. Some of them are going to be um, desperate. 
let's make sure we welcome them. Make sure we greet them. Make sure they know they're welcome. Um, I think if you ask any of my kids or my grandkids, does, does your dad, does your papa love you? They would all say yes. Uh, but what I need to do for them is the reminder. I need to make sure they remember it. To make sure that there's ways that um, through the year I can remind them of just how special they are, how much I love them, um, and how much they're loved by Jesus. Even when, even when they're not walking with him, he still loves them, right? Oh, come let us adore 